Hello. On this podcast, we talk about movies, their faults, their flaws, and their plots. So, expect some spoilers. You've been warned. Welcome to Plot Spackle. I'm John, and the scariest part of my movie is when a struggling mother must face a monster ten times her size in its hall of bones to find the secret for her that she needs to save her family. I'm Eric, and the scariest scene in this movie is when the main character is brought across the river Styx on a on a boat of skulls. At least dog bones. I know he's... yeah, it's dog bones. I'm Richard. The scariest part of my movie is when an old man is ripped to pieces by by a magical backfire and then has his skull crushed by a young girl. And uh, we have some terrifying movies, and we are filling our plot holes with even more terrifying things. I'm filling the plot holes with unethical animal research. I'm filling my plot holes with unethical business practices. I'm filling my plot holes with the bodies of dead royalty. As today, on the first... Unethical royalty? Uh, As today, on our first episode for Horrorween 2020, the year that would not stop, we are talking about the Don Bluth Trilogy of Terror. As we talk about The Secret of Nim. All dogs go to heaven. And Anastasia. Dark, dark movies, my friends. Dark, dark movies. Some, some of them would have been darker. Some of them would have been lighter if there had been both more or less budget and more or less interference. But, uh, yeah. So why are we talking about Don Bluth movies real quick? I mean, th- these are all like children's animation, right? Yes. But Don Bluth had this theory that you could get away with whatever you wanted in a children's movie as long as it ended with a happy ending. I guess that's the secret. But, I mean, doesn't most like horror films qualify, though? I mean, the I good mean, guys win in the end, usually. Well, I guess there's the stinger and they don't. See, the good guys winning is not the same necessarily as a happy ending. Because a lot of times in horror, it's still a Pyrrhic victory. But that's okay. I get horror. I have zombies. Um, dark magic. Curses. Curses. Communists. Zom- yeah. <laughs> I get the whole thing. Right on the whole gamut there. All you need it's is a some total Nazis. package. But, uh, well, you don't have the Nazis in there, so... So let's, uh, maybe we should start with our our movie's uh, synopsis. Synopsi? Synopium. Synopsis. Synoposium. Symposium. That's... That sounds made up. Or lacking nicknames. I don't know. One of the two. So, yeah, what's, uh, what's your movie and what's it about, Eric? So, All Dogs Go to Heaven is the story of... I wanted to say Balto, but I know it's definitely not Balto. It's Charlie. Uh, Charlie, that's it. 
I watched the movie today. I couldn't even remember. I, I was even going to go through the sidekick's name first. Uh, Itchy. Uh, so there is the main character, Charlie, who is voiced by Burt Reynolds. He is, I'm going to say, come out and say he's a degenerate. He is a no good pup who did no good things. And because he did those no good things, was killed off by his partner gangster. I don't know. It's not super explained how they know each other, but all we all we know is that he is killed. But through some loophole, Charlie is brought back to this earth. But in doing so, can never go back to heaven. Well, Charlie figures out a way how to make money using a girl who can talk to animals. A lot of stuff happens, and Charlie sacrifices his life to save this little to save this little girl. And he gets to go to heaven because apparently um, do-overs are a thing. And the little girl who was an orphan is no longer orphaned. Well, I guess she's still an orphan, but she's been adopted. I don't know. I don't know how that thing, how that works. Once an orphan, always an orphan. I thought of a bad joke. I don't know if we should put it in. Well, say what, it and then I'll just Once an say, orphan in Narnia, always an orphan no, in Narnia? this guy's walking down the street and sees this kid in rags on the corner and says, Hey, are you an orphan? And the kid says, Yes. What gave me away? And the guy says, Your parents. <laughs> Wouldn't it be the... Are you adopted, though? That could be another one, too. Because then it's the parents are still alive. And it's like they don't care enough about the kid. Anyways, should we, should we move yeah, on? Yeah, let's move on. John, what is your synopsis? Oh, so my movie is The Secret of Nim. It is a movie about Mrs. Brisby, a brave little mouse who's trying to save her family with the looming threat of a farmer's plow. She elicits the aid of the rats of Nim, super smart rats, to save the day. And there's a magic amulet. That leaves Richard. <laughs> What's your movie and your uh, synopsis? My movie is Anastasia, and it's about a group of lovable con men who pick up an orphan they find in the streets and try to use her to swindle the Dowager Empress out of a fortune by claiming that she's her long-lost granddaughter. Also, they're singing. <laughs> All right. So now we know what these movies are about. But uh, what are? what's time for some movie facts, I guess. Yeah, you guys are going to have to cover your own movies. I've, I can only do one movie a show. It's in my contract. <laughs> we have a contract? Yeah. Huh. I'll have to look at that sometime. Uh, you don't have a contract. Don't you, worry you're about it, contract. It's fine. You don't need to read it. All righty. Well, Richard, how about you give us, since you're our residential trivial, uh, tri trivia spewer. The fact guy. Yep, you're our fact guy. Lead the way. All right, so Anastasia came out on the 21st of November, 1997. It is by far the most recent film of the three and had a 50, 000, or $50 million budget and earned $120,000 uh, uh, yeah, in its opening weekend, went up to $58 million in the end of its growth. Uh, U.S. run, but then hit 139 million by the end of its uh, worldwide. So it, it did earn back its budget eventually. 
Uh, it was the first film for Fox Animation Studios after Don Bluth's other stuff had kind of collapsed on itself. But it had some... Uh, you guys may not know this, but it was based on a story of Anastasia in Russia. What? The Princess Anastasia, if you will. Uh, and there's a scene in the film where she's showing off a drawing she did to her sister, Olga, who describes the drawing as a pig riding a donkey, which is an actual thing. We have a historical letter where Anastasia complained about it to her father, and the picture is actually the Princess Anastasia's picture. That it really was. The movie would have been a much lighter film if they'd had a slightly bigger budget, because they were actually going to try and get uh, Bartok, the bat, to sing Ra Ra Rasputin at one point. <laughs> That's got to be a joke. But they couldn't afford the rights. It was going to be great. That yeah, would have been pretty funny. Because that was his character. He was supposed to be the comic relief. Yeah. But was not to be. And so, and so instead, he'll kick her, sir. Yeah. Um, when you, you said about the uh, the pig riding the donkey and that was real, I'm like, they actually made a pig ride a donkey? That sounds something like Russian excess royalties. Or the Russian royalties excesses. I mean, hey. it. I want that donkey. And I want that pig to ride that donkey. Look. There's a lot of things that, in this movie, aren't particularly historically accurate. But at least that scene is. But that scene is, and there's, like, loads of other things. Like, the portrait in the ballroom has a spaniel. And the spaniel was a real spaniel that the family had. They actually found that dog alive at the house where they found all the dead bodies of the Russian royalty. But they let the dog live. The dog lived. Not Anastasia's dog. This was her brother's dog. Oh. Her dog died. And on that note, <laughs> how about uh, your movie, John? All right. Um, the Secret of Nim. Now, uh, re release date was the 16th of July, 1982. Um, the budget is about $7 million estimated, and it made 386000 on its opening weekend. Ooh, buddy. And uh, managed to gross $14.6 worldwide. And in the U.S. I don't have different numbers for either. I just... The poor thing. So, movie <laughs> so facts. So, it probably didn't get a worldwide release. Yeah. So, some facts with this is that $7 million budget was added in by Don Bluth and some of the other producers mortgaging their house. It took 16 hours uh, work days. And then, when MGM promised them a thousand theater release, they only got 100 that eventually rose to 700 over the run, but by then it was too late. It was up against E.T. Um, another fact is the main character is named Mrs. Brisby. The book that the movie is based off is Mrs. Frisby and the Rats of Nim, and they changed the name and also changed the name of the movie to avoid being... Also, uh, I think all the production work was done in seven months. You can get a lot of stuff done when you're doing 16-hour days. Yeah. But yeah, that's the uh, Rats of... Or The Secret of Nim. So my movie, uh, All Dogs Go to Heaven, was released on the 19th of November, 1989. 
It had a budget of $13,800,000. It made 400, or it made $4,712,000 its opening weekend with uh, eventually grossing $27 million in the US. And I don't know about worldwide re release because um, you're not getting the added information. It's not giving me that information. So Don Bluth actually wanted to have this movie be a little bit darker, but because MGM wanted to secure the G rating instead of the PG rating, they cut out some of the hell parts so it wouldn't be pushing that higher rating. Don Bluth has the unedited version, but unfortunately has not shared it with anyone or ever or released it. Will he do it over his dead body? Someone's dead body. Is he still alive? He is still alive. Yes, Don Bluth is still alive. In fact, is a a combined trivia as so on September eleventh, uh, two thousand twenty, Don Bluth formed a new animation studio. Did he pick up uh, people from DreamWorks? I have no idea because it didn't tell. When I looked at the news article, it didn't actually tell me the name of the studio. It just said that he started a new studio. Should it be? Is it going to be called "We Hate Disney"? Seriously, we do. You might as well just get out there and say it. <laughs> I mean, why not? But so yeah, we might be getting some new Don Bluth movies eventually for a new generation of children. Look, be scarred as long as it has a happy ending. Gotta have new ways to uh, frighten children these days. They'll have like cell phones getting smashed, and <laughs> um, it's just a prank, bro. Videos. It's just a prank, bro. Ugh, this sounds horrible. But, but as long as it ends happily, so like we, with the prankster being shot or something, I don't know. So should uh, we get into these plot holes? The uh, large supply of plot holes we have here. Yes. Yeah. Um, so I didn't have a lot. John, um, John you had a couple. I'll, I'll do uh, the secret, the Knights of Nim. The Secrets of Nim. Whatever. I haven't seen this movie, so you should see this movie, and we should have e-learned it, but oh, well. we had to do our trilogy of terror. Yeah, you can't do a trilogy with only two movies. We could we could have done a trilogy with a great number of movies, though, for by Don Bluth. It was. Um, he's done a lot, and they have lots of uh, scenes which are kind of scary. Actually, I considered Land Before Time. There's Fern Gully. He did that one. An American Tale. Oh, yeah. You got the, the singing devil smoke. Uh, and uh, We're Back, the chimpanzee scenes. Oh, yeah. that the, Actually, that was... We should have done that. I remember those scenes. Those, those were scary scenes. We've always got Titan A to fall back on. <laughs> is that a Don Bluth? That That's is a, Don Bluth. That is the last Don Bluth, like, for his actual, you know, um, his studio. Dang. Before it was closed. And then he started doing, like, just little side things. But Though Titan A is not as scary as it's not as like, scary like, or good, but yeah, we should probably talk about the movies themselves yes. after the plot holes. Yep. So so hit me with them, Eric. Hit yes. me. So John's. Uh, so we're getting the plot holes for uh, Secret and M from IMDb and someone's uh, Word Spot or WordPress uh, blog. So the IMDb first. Uh, it's never really explained how gaining intelligence from the Nim experiments gave Nicodemus a magical amulet. He didn't get the magic amulet from the experiments. He got it from a Cracker Jack box. They just I'm don't, gonna give tell the, you, yeah. they don't give the same kind of prizes in Cracker Jack anymore. Oh, yeah, man. They used to be so good. Nowadays, you get, like, stickers or, like, a 
actual piece of paper that just tells you to go to the website. But back in the day, magic amulets. Real prizes. Real prizes. Decoder decoder rings. and See, see the issue is, is that they had the magic amulet. In order to fit it in the Cracker Jack boxes, they had to cut it into smaller pieces to spread it out. I mean, you can't put a whole like normal-sized magic amulet in a Cracker Jack box because the box is only so big, and then that gets expensive. But if you buy one giant magic amulet, and you chop it up into small pieces... Like mouse-sized amulets? Yeah, and you can send them out. That's pretty cool. But since the kids are too big to wear them, it's no kids had magic powers. And a lot of kids probably swallowed them and ate them, and then they had to change the Cracker Jack box... Um, Prizes, and that is the story. That is the complete, a hundred percent true story. I haven't seen this movie, so I can't disagree with you. Richard's just looking over, like, look, the the magic from the amulet. How about this? Magic from the amulet is like the feather in Dumbo. The magic was so it's not really magical at all, and it's actually a factor of having giant ears. Yes. The magic was inside you the whole time, and your giant ears. And what do mice have? Uh, not particularly giant ears. Their ears are very large in comparison to the size of their heads in animated features. Oh, okay, John. Well, how about this? You know, it's kind of on the same vein with the whole magic amulet and the Nim experiments. Well, how come the uh, so the shots that they were given at the Nim Institute that can magically make them read? I was trying to figure out how I could answer this question with a Cracker Jack box, but I can't. <laughs> Look, it's because the scientists are clearly saving the good vaccines to teach mice how to read instead of having, having it cause autism in children. That is not how vaccines work. But it made me think of a science joke. John got to tell a joke earlier that the patron members will definitely get to listen to. Um, so, what ha- so, guys, what happens when you cross a cow with an octopus? Uh, a visit from the uh, board of Eth- board of ethics and an immediate cessation of funding. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we know that one. All right, so it all depends on what we think the shots actually do, and it's implied that's an intelligence booster, but I don't think it actually is because it's not like the rats are shown to be extremely above the intelligence of other animals in the farmlands like uh, mrs shrew wears clothes and i don't think she knows the rats so where she get those they managed to build the house there's there's a higher level and we know that the mice can be taught how to read so what i think instead the shot was because this connects to the uh the amulet is actually to develop their natural psychic abilities and so it's not that they learned how to read is that they read the minds of the humans who knew how to read. who could read it, and so they could know what it meant. And that's why it was so sudden. They didn't learn how to read. They learned what the, the words mean. Read. Yeah. And that's why uh, Jonathan Brisby uh, married that particular mouse, is because she had latent psychic powers she didn't know. You know, and- Until she got a focusing crystal out of a Cracker Jack box. Here, I thought it was just going to be that the government scientists were implanting microchips to track everything they did. They haven't invented 5G. This is 1982. But when is the movie actually set, though? Um, I assume 1982. 
Okay. At least contemporary, maybe 1981. Think, you think the government tracking didn't exist back then? Yeah, it was bigger, though. Listen. Next thing you're going to tell me is that the Great Owl isn't actually a surveillance drone. Birds aren't real, John. Birds are real. There's there's another bird in this movie, too, and he was real. Listen, I didn't see a single bird in my movie. There's no birds in Richard's movie. You thought they were seagulls on that boat? Government drones. And it happened way before 1982 in my movie. Yeah, so there we go. Crackerjack boxes and psychic powers. What more have we got for Nim? Come on, bring it on. I don't know. Isn't there another one on uh, IMDb? Let's see. Um, oh, okay. So when Jeremy... I was going to say Jeremiah. When Jeremy shows up with a string, he apparently had no idea Mrs. Brisby's house had moved, but somehow knew where to find her. So the thing about Jeremy, the big thing you got to remember, is he's a bird brain. As he is a bird. An actual bird. and You lost me, John. And I don't think he actually fully understood exactly where Miss Frisbee lived, other than by the big rock. And all they did to move her house was move it from one side of the rock to the other side of the rock. Mice aren't very big. It's not like they can travel very far. I mean, he probably's like, oh, it's the other side. Yeah, I, I, that's what my thought is, is. Oh, so it's not that it's just on the other side. It's because he just come in because she asked for string to help move it. I mean, he's a bird, and so he can look down on the fields and actually just see, oh, that's because she was outside. So he shows up with the string that was supposed to help move the house. And he's like, here, I got brought string. And she's like, oh, thank you. But he's a bird brain. And just kind of probably looked for her every time, specifically. He's not actually sure of what locations are. He doesn't know geography. Government drone that just finds the image of the where the new house is. From uplinking to the satellites. They had satellites in 1982, John. Alright, look. He found a map in a Cracker Jack box. <laughs> I'm sold. Alright, so one more plot hole that we talked about earlier. So... If the rats are so smart that they can create a, um, like a water elevator, why can't they enlarge the hole to the cat's food dish so that they don't have to risk sending a mouse every single year to drug the cat? It's less about able and more about that's a bad idea. They know that the, the hole is not noticed by the humans. If they make the hole bigger, who might notice? The government drones. The government drones. And if the government drones notice that uh, the rats are making big holes, they're going to come for them and wipe them out. The rats are very afraid of humans realizing that they are there. Oh, they're libertarians. It's, uh, yeah. They hate the government? They have a, The whole conflict is about whether they should stay there or move, and what part of the issue is if they stay there they they're more likely to be discovered by the humans and the humans will just tear them down burn everything down okay so i mean they could make the hole bigger but it's a risk it would give them away yep and mice are sneaky little creatures and, and i guess rats too mice usually work the, the mice usually get the drugs to the dish it only had a problem once and then the mouse died and set the whole movie into motion all right so let's see uh mine only had one would you do you want to just read mine, John? Sure. Or um, Richard, would you like to... John's got it. Yeah, I got it. So your 
This one is coming from IMDb. And uh, the whole thing here is uh, they kill Charlie the first time by uh, pushing the car he's in down a hill off a pier and into water where he apparently drowns. Um, There are no hills in New Orleans. So they couldn't have pushed him down a hill into the water because there's no hills to be pushed down. To be fair, they didn't push it down a hill. They pushed it down a pier. And, I mean, piers don't have to be level. This is the 1930s. Like, stuff was just kind of thrown together. It was the Great Depression and all. Especially if this pier was built specifically to be a slope. Yeah, it could have been. So you you could have tried to use it to off your uh, business rival. Yeah. Or you roll barrels down it. Yeah. I mean, who knows? All we know is that the car can roll down the hill and kill dogs that way. I mean, the Mississippi Rivers, I assume it's the Mississippi Ripper, Ripper, River. I'm not, I don't know my geography. The Mississippi Ripper is a uh, lesser known serial killer, I'm sure. Well, or, I mean, maybe there used to be hills in New Orleans, but they uh, leveled them after people kept pushing dogs and cars down them to kill them. I mean, the river was just chock full of them. It's just a, that's a safety hazard. Trying being a boatman and you're coming down the river and there's dogs with cars in them <laughs> shooting off of piers and in the water. You'd think they'd just start revoking the dog's driver's licenses at one point. <laughs> dogs are illegal drivers no matter what. I mean, if, if they're if they're going off a pier in a car, you know that's a bad dog. <laughs> and they still get to go to heaven. Apparently. All dogs go to heaven. Apparently. Roll credits. So, yeah. So, so, I guess that's your one plot hole. Yeah. Everything else is mostly um, a character's talking and their mouth doesn't move. Or their mouth is moving and they're not talking. It's like, well, welcome to animation. All right. Here's a question for you. How did that one dog get a real live laser gun? A Flash Gordon la- um, laser gun. Cracker Jacks had some really cool prizes back in the day. Man, the further back in time you go, the better Cracker Jacks get. When did Cracker Jacks start? Well, they were... Okay, we can tie this back into our depth depths. Because he... Uh, Johnny Depp got Cracker Jacks uh, prizes, didn't he? In the, the World's He got Fair. Cracker Jacks, maybe, but not maybe not prizes. We're looking this up, and we are not even sponsored by Cracker Jack. Cracker Jack, give us money. We're talking yeah. about you. Though we expect you to start giving out better prizes. At least give us decoder rings. Uh, eighteen ninety six. So yeah, that's uh, you know, if everything's a sliding scale, you know, and the prizes aren't very good now, imagine how good they were the closer to the inception they were. You could get a whole horse in your Cracker Jack box. I mean, they were probably made from horses. Cracker Jacks in the boxes. So yeah, uh, that's pretty much mine. Um, hey Richard, um, can we do your? We should do your plot holes. Let's get to your plot holes. Yeah. Where, where are we getting your plot holes from? We're gonna I've, read them for you. I've got a list of plot holes. Wait, what do you mean list? I've I've got a list. I will read you the list of plot holes. Are you ready? Are Are, are you sure? You're the one who watched. How are we gonna? Don't worry, guys. I think you can handle this. At the beginning of the movie in 1916. Anastasia is listed as eight years old. All right? Okay. okay. In actuality, she was 15. 
Okay. Now, uh, the Dowager Empress Marie uh, never went to Paris after the Russian Revolution. She fled via the Crimean Peninsula to London and then ultimately returned to her native Denmark. When did she hold Also, um, her name wasn't actually Marie. Her name was Dagmar because she was Danish. That's basically Marie. Oh, and did you know that uh, when Anastasia breaks into the palace looking for Dimitri, she finds the place almost intact with a bunch of precious items such as plates, tapestries, candlesticks, and like a painting in which she recognizes herself. But really, the Winter Palace in the movie, the only one in St. Petersburg, was stormed and looted back in that 1917 Russian revolutionaries destroying everything. And then by the time... In 1927, when the action of the movie is supposed to take place, the whole place had been rebuilt and was the seat of the Hermitage Museum. So where Anastasia finds the palace, as shown in the movie, it's just impossible. Isn't isn't that mostly actually just a dream sequence? Also, John, the Dowager Empress's wedding ring was shown on her third finger on the left hand. But in Russia at the time, married women wore the wedding rings on their third finger on the right hand. But wasn't she in Paris? And she didn't flee to Russia during or immediately after the overthrow of the Russian monarchy, she fled in she fled in 1919, where she had remained in Russia the entire time. But wasn't she just fleeing from the mob burning down the house? Look, John, did you know that this movie is not historically accurate? So you're telling... I assumed so. Well, I thought... I thought it was until the very end when the uh, horse statue came alive and everyone knows that the golem was made in Prague. Exactly. Let's get to the real plot holes of this film, shall we? Are, are there real plot holes? Or the real plot holes. Or just uh, historical inaccuracies, which can be explained by the fact that the Mute Movies um, history is considered valid as lo- for inherently within the movie. No, the real plot holes here, John. Wait, are oh. you telling me that the communists didn't... Sp- Spend their time singing in the streets in the breadlines? No, singing is not allowed in breadlines. It is disorderly and against the people. Now we're going to get to the real plot holes here. All right. On the boat, Dimitri and Vladimir are playing chess. Now Vladimir moves his queen and calls checkmate. However, the position of his knight already had Dimitri in check. And Dimitri would have had to move his king prior to Vladimir's move to continue the game. In addition... Vladimir's new position of the queen could have been captured by Dimitri's bishop, which would prevent the king from being in checkmate, except for the knight, which was an error to begin with. So I think the misunderstanding here is that they think they're playing by, we're assuming they're playing by standard rules. They're playing by um, political rules. The bishop was paid off. I I mean, I was always just going to go with, there are a couple of con men and they're going to lie to each other about the state of the board no matter what. Yeah. Maybe every time they turn their they turn their backs, one piece changes. So, it's amazing when isn't one guy. That, maybe that's the whole secret: is you try and get the get checkmate in one turn. Like that's the whole thing: is you have to try and move pieces slightly like sli- enough, like slide a hand or whatever, and not get caught. So, I just uh, thought it was really weird when the other player had like. I'm sorry, I'm doing calculations how many pawns are on a board is it 10 8 it was really weird when the char- when the other character had nine queens on the board apparently all the pawns made it one time while playing chess my opponent was uh, very upset by as he described it 
the pawns protecting each other back through infinity. <laughs> well, uh, there's some actually really fun chess variants. Uh, if you have the peasant, you can do the peasant uprising where it's the king, his row of pawns and nothing else on one side and the king and three knights on the other side. Hmm. And you just go. Is that called Ashencore? Uh, it's, I mean, close enough. All right, is there any actual plot holes that we should know about? Uh, the closest thing to an actual plot hole listed anywhere that I can find is someone complaining that the fall that Anastasia has at the beginning of the movie and gives her amnesia wouldn't actually give someone amnesia because it's not hard enough. And I, I question their um, knowledge of medicine and people's willingness to repress uh, repress trauma and bad memories. Oh, so the fact that the uh, their bloodline was weak and did not survive the winter? Well, we do know that they're Romanov, and the son famously had, uh, he was a hemophiliac, so we know that there are genetic de- deformities in that bloodline. Who's to say, yeah, a normal person, but maybe a rickety old Romanov, yeah. A stiff breeze comes through, and they're, they're basically done for. I mean, the best they had to compare themselves to, to was Rasputin, and he was made of stern stuff. They had to kill him like ten times at the same time, and they're not even sure if it's stuck. Yeah. So, uh, there, there's, there aren't any. Oh, so she probably landed on a Cracker Jack's box. Good ones. <laughs> I mean, basically, she. I, I think that they got the door out of the palace from a Cracker Jack's box. No, John. So we can tie this back into Cracker Jack uh, this way. So in Soviet Ru- Ru- in Soviet Russia, the Cracker Jacks you. That sounds wrong. Well, it's, you know, the Russian people came through, took away the Romanov. I wanted to be um, the Jack Crackers you. Well, that doesn't make any sense. At least with the my... Jack Cracks you in Soviet Russia. You are prize. No, I'm pretty sure the peasants were not prizes. <laughs> oh, no, you, you're the prize for someone else. You're not your own prize. You don't get prizes. Prizes prize is a capitalist lie. Getting your bread line, comrade. For glory of Russia. But yeah, apparently the list of plot holes consists of people complaining about historical inaccuracies about a man who is a zombie brought back from the dead, uses his mystical magical powers to try and ensorcel the death of a young girl so that then he can go back to being properly dead. Look, like mystical powers. Th- that's the mystical powers thing was real. Rest, that is a historically accurate representation of Rasputin. We know that he learned uh, secret information about science from Nikola Tesla. They were pen pals, <sighs> and he has that magical amulet that he got out of a cracker that jack he got box. Out of a cracker jack box. <laughs> because the uh, prizes were way better back in 1919 the further back in time the better the cracker jack boxes and relative to what kids want i'm pretty sure no parent wants their kid to have a a, have an amulet capable of killing an entire dynasty yeah in exchange for your soul uh once one kid traded his soul for things they They, did have to like they have to put warnings on those now yeah may contain soul sucking devices keep out of the reach of children under the age of three known to cause cancer in the state of california (laughs) 
you know, the standard stuff. <laughs> Nowadays, you get your sticker. With QR code. To a baseball game. So, yeah. I think the moral of the story is, we are upset about the decline in Cracker Jack prizes. I want my magic amulets. I want my Lich's phylactery. You want your secret decoder ring? I want my secret decoder ring. I want my Flash Gordon ray gun. So, let's get back to talking about Don Bluth films real quick. Let's get to the meat of the matter. So, when you rewatched your film, were you properly horrified at the thought of having watched this as a kid would you show this to small children john i i think i would even though it is scary it's uh it's not dangerous scary i'd say like the the situations are dark and threatening but things tend to do work out for the best which kind of thinks, I think, is a representation of how the real world actually is. John, are you a hopeless optimist? I'm not a hopeless optimist. Uh, I'm just saying that the world is filled with scary things, and your fear is often greater than the actual problem in front of you. Okay. Okay. I'm not certain how that relates to Cracker Jacks, but <laughs> I'll accept the answer nonetheless. I got my answer in a Cracker Jack box. There we go. Eric, would you show All Dogs Go to Heaven to your kids? In all honesty, that was the question I asked myself as I was watching it. And no, I don't think I would. Because it's weird. Like, not weird as in it's, like, really religious and whatnot, because it surprisingly is. But maybe I'm used to, like, 2020 movies, and that's kind of a you-don't-go-there sort of field. But this is, like extreme not extreme but it's like oh yeah we're gonna show a kid praying and um you know actual heaven and whatnot but just the subject matter of like charlie being sent to hell on a on the river sticks boat made out of bones or even the whole gambling and fraud and murder well i think that goes to show that it's the movie tries to explain that it's not a it's not a good career path to choose, but you can make a lot of money from it. So I don't know. I'm kind of conflicted on that. <laughs> make a lot of money and then end up dead, but you still go to heaven. Yeah. If you're a dog, you know, people are, you know, they have, they have problems. Like for example, they have used cars. That's one of the reasons you don't go into heaven, according to the movie and singles bars. That's another reason you don't go to heaven. Yeah. Listening to the songs. That's one of the, they give those as reasons humans can't get into heaven. Well, there you go. You have to buy your cars news new guys. Everyone that's, that's the secret. That's the 11th commandment and not go to singles bars. Yeah. So find your, uh, your one true love, I guess, like right off the bat, you better first person you meet. That's that relationship's going to work out. You're not supposed to go to singles bars. You're supposed to go to church mingles. Well, to find your singles. So how about you, Richard? So we did Secret of Nim and All Dogs Go to Heaven. What about Anastasia? Would you show that to your kids? Hypothetical children. Hypothetical uh, children. Um, yeah, probably. Because 
again, this one being the the best of our two musical features, I'm going to go with it has a much, much better um, song list. And while there are some dark and scary bits and... If you watch the Rasputin death scene as an adult, you're like, wow, this is really dark. When you're a kid, you're like, oh, yeah, Rasputin got it. <laughs> he deserved it. His death was as glorious as it should be. I mean, did you see his whole song and dance number earlier? Yeah. He needs an exploding skull to look, to top that. I remember watching it and thinking it was pretty cool, actually, watching him explode. I was older, though. But it's the, I think, as a kid, while you may not appreciate how cool it is, you would certainly go, yeah, the good guys win. And it's it's all okay now. So, um, should we do our Don Bluth movie ratings? Where do you put the Don Bluth movie you watched in the Don Bluth film collection? Anastasia's pretty close to the top, I'd say. Um, I'd say Secret of Nim is as well. I enjoyed watching it again. I'll, I'll be honest. I'm like, this is. I think this is better than I remember it being. And I'm like, watching it, I'm like, I can see why someone would be scared with this. Because there is a lot of settings and scenes that are pretty... Are toeing the line. But I think you can handle it. I'll have to dig up my family's copy and watch it again. So I would agree with Richard. I would probably put Anastasia near the top. For All Dogs Go to Heaven, I don't know, though. Would I rather watch All Dogs Go to Heaven or We're Back, A Dinosaur Story? Or Fern Gully? Or... I'd watch Fern Gully over All Dogs Go to Heaven. So I've only watched Fern Gully once, so I don't... See, but Fern Gully, you get both um, Robin Williams and Tim Curry in your voice cast. Was Tim Curry the bad guy? Yes. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Is that a question you even have to ask? Well, he wasn't bad guy. He wasn't a bad guy in Clue. In one storyline, he is. Well, we must, I must not have seen that storyline. That's the everyone's a murderer storyline. Um, And there would have been a storyline where he was the murderer also. If they'd filmed all the endings like they wanted to. Mm-hmm. Um, I see. What's your lowest? What is the lowest Don Bluth? I, I, okay, I need to pull that up. Okay, so here's your list. All Dogs Go to Heaven, An American Tale, Anastasia, Banjo the Woodpile Cat, Bartok the Magnificent, The Land Before Time, Pebble and the Penguin, Rockadoodle, The Secret of Nim, The Small One, Thumbelina, Titan A.E., and a troll in Central Park. Ooh, I, f- I forgot about troll in Central Park. I had never heard of the the woodpile cat. I hadn't. Didn't he do Balto as well? Did you say Balto? He did no. not say Balto. Because I'm pretty sure Balto's one too. Uh. Oh. Pebble and the penguin. I would say a troll in uh, Central Central Park, but until I heard that, it was going to be Titan A.E. Titan A.E. Is, was extremely disappointing. Balto is not Don Bluth. It isn't? Really? Nope. Hmm. 
Amblin, Universal Pictures, Simone Wells. Yeah, I'm going to say Pebble and the Penguin because I don't remember that one at all. And I barely remember Troll and uh, Central Park. The problem with uh, We're Back and the Dinosaurs is that uh, it's a meh movie, mostly, except for that chimpanzee. And when they get turned back into horrible dinosaurs. Yeah. I think it's a somewhat cool premise, but it's okay, whatever. Maybe he just wanted to still back that land before time energy. Mm-hmm. After the 20th one had continued running that into the ground. It was, uh, the, it was the film franchise that kept on giving. Helped to ruin everything, guys, but that's not Don Bluth either. We're Back's not a Don Bluth movie? No. What? All right, well, that's okay. why it's not part of the Trilogy yeah, of Terror. It doesn't we, qualify. That's why we didn't say it. Yeah. We, we knew all along it was not a mistake. We weren't crossing lines here. Now you're going to tell me Don Bluth didn't do Watership Down or The Plague Dogs. Uh, he didn't do either of those, John. That director only did two movies, um, Watership Down and Plague Dogs. Though he did do a second version of Watership Down. It's a film so nice he made it twice. Uh, I, as also, those movies do not follow the have a happy ending law. No, no, they don't. Maybe we'll have to cover them in our uh, when we're all like super depressed and <laughs> and get more depressed. Well, it's I I don't know how depression works, but I'm assuming it's kind of like a trampoline that you get really far down and then it springs you back up. That's called being bipolar. So it works. Two extremes, and since a lot of these are '90s movies, everyone knows that being extreme was the best. But, uh, listeners, what is your favorite Don Bluth film? Which one scared you? Um, why don't you like on uh, Facebook and maybe we'll start a comment thread. Or you can send us a tweet on Twitter, at PlotSpacklePod, and, yeah, we can start a thread there. I assume that's what you do on Twitter, besides getting mad at other people. Or... If you have your own list of factual inaccuracies about uh, all do- about dogs going to heaven, or talking rats, or perhaps uh, mystical zombies from beyond the grave, you can send that to us at plotspacklepodcast at gmail.com. And we'll promptly ignore it, probably. Oh no, I'll read it. I, I, I'll read If you send me a list, it'll end up on Patreon at least. And actually, our, our patrons, we got to thank them. Thank you for supporting us and uh, helping us pay for these little costs that uh, make it so we can do this podcast for you. We appreciate it. And we're going to say it. I'm going to say it, guys. If this was like 1896 and we opened a Cracker Jack box, you're the kind of caliber prize we'd find. That's pretty impressive. Well, of course. I mean... Our patrons are just amazing. They're just, yeah, they're grade A. They're not stickers. Well, guys, we, you know, we were pretty rough and we, we each had our problems, but through a heartfelt moment and probably a song, in Richard's case, some death, we solved all of our problems. And we dealt with all the government drones and we could release the real birds into the world again. And it turns out that you were a real princess the whole time. I was.